to the Woman Inspired Podcast. I'm Karen. I am your host, and today's podcast episode is called Alleviate or Elevate? That's with a question mark. Alleviate or Elevate? Martin Luther King Jr. said, you don't need to see the whole staircase, just the first step. I love that quote. I always start out each podcast with a pod quote after I introduce myself. And here's another quote. This is from Psalm 25. Four through five. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. I love that as well. And I usually love the quotes that I share. That's why I call them pod quotes, because I want my podcast to have more than just the thoughts and the things that God has put on my heart, but quotes from from other people and other sources that help make us think, maybe make us laugh, inspire us, hopefully provoke something in you that's positive. Okay, so I was praying today for someone's stress to be alleviated. And I thought, as I prayed, well, sometimes we pray for stress to be lifted from someone, but it never happens. Let's be truthful. Not all of our prayers are answered the way that we want them to be answered. And sometimes we pray for that thing to be removed from someone, and God doesn't say yes to that removal at all. Sometimes it comes, but sometimes not at all. And it seems unfair. Sometimes it seems harsh to me. Then I kept hearing this word over and over in my head as I was praying for this person's stress to be alleviated. And what I kept hearing was the word elevate. Elevate, not alleviate. So I had to ponder that a while and think on it, pray about it and kind of, you know, let it wash over me. And what in the world was this supposed to mean to me? And there's a place in the Bible that talks about running the race that's marked out for you. We're encouraged to endure and to keep running the race till we get to the prize at the end. And I often hear people say to just remember that this life is not a sprint, it's a marathon. That's a pretty big one right now um, on t-shirts and bumper stickers and things like that. And And it's good. I take that to mean that we're supposed to be in it for the long haul and however long that haul is and that we're supposed to just not give up. We're supposed to strap on the best tennis shoes we've got, grab a water bottle, tuck some Kleenex in our waistband or our bra, whichever applies to you. And okay, way back when, when I would run, I would tuck a quarter in the tongue of my shoe in case I needed to make an emergency call along the route. But really, you might have to run probably 64,000 miles these days before you would find a working payphone. So don't put a quarter in your shoe. It's just going to be uncomfortable. You might grab your debit card and tuck it in your uh, waistband or your C cups in case of an emergency and you'll be fine. Um, that tells you how old I am that I would keep a quarter in my shoe to, uh, make a phone call. Right. And we'll be set if we just kind of stay prepared for the long haul. So tackle that marathon and don't come up for air until you're done. Keep running the race. That's kind of the message in the world at large right now, but uh, also a biblical message. It's good advice. It is biblical wisdom and solid tips from the inspirational world at large. But what happens when you keep tripping over your own feet? Not that I personally know anything about tripping over myself. And if you know me, you know how absurd that is because I am frequently tripping. Okay, so what happens when you get so tired and weak that you have to stop and sit on a bench for a while? Well, the world says we can't do that. We're supposed to stop and smell the roses, but then if you linger too long, the world complains or they goad you about it or they make fun of you and berate you for being so slow or being lazy or getting behind. There's a lot of pressure in our everyday world. Sometimes some of us then expect the finish line to somehow miraculously be even closer 
merely because we think we need it to be closer. You know, we desire for it to be closer. Some people even expect the race to stop or the whole world to pause because they get a rock in their shoe along the way and they have to stop. They want everything to stop. Whoa, stop everything. Mr. Joe Blow has an issue. So the entire world has to stop their marathon. Wait for Mr. Joe to remove the rock. Only to find out it's not a rock. It's a bunion on his foot. He has a hole in his sock and he didn't realize it. Okay, now we have to stop everything so Mr. Joe can go get new socks. The rest of the world has to take pause, take note, stop being who they are, stop pressing on to the goal that God has for them, stop moving forward because Mr. Joe or so-and-so Mrs. Jane doesn't want to be left out. Mr. Joe and Mr. Jane wants pity. They want attention because they're different, they're wounded. He, it's it's sitting in a, in a bad place in their sock. Even though this hole in the sock is something they hadn't ignored and it was of their own doing, did I tell you that Mr. Joe's feet stink too? He doesn't keep them clean. He doesn't take care of what he has. He doesn't care what he's supposed to take care about what he's supposed to be doing. So he's slow and he expects everyone else in the marathon, in the race, on this journey in life to slow down with him instead of letting them run their race and keep up their own pace and going for the goals that God has for them. He's that person that really doesn't want to be in the marathon and wants everybody to have pity on him because he has to be in a marathon. Because we're all in a marathon. We're all in the race. I don't want to be like Mr. Joe or Mrs. Jane who doesn't take care of myself for the long haul. But sometimes the long haul is hard. I actually heard a pastor today in a sermon I was listening to saying that God cares about your salvation, number one, and he cares about you for eternity. But God isn't just in eternity and he isn't just in heaven. He's in the day to day. God cares about your stress, your grades, your paycheck, your work, your church, your relationships. He's in all of it. And sometimes we forget that. That means he's in the day to day on this race, in this marathon, in this journey. But guess what? The race does not stop. The path doesn't get moved, it doesn't get removed, it doesn't get changed because you or Mr. Joe or Miss Jane came to the race unprepared or refused to see the reality of it. And the race doesn't stop because you pause to smell the roses either. And it's okay to pause and smell the roses and not listen to the people who gripe at you. But you shouldn't complain because you pause to smell the roses and somebody might get ahead of you. And the marathon isn't over just because I needed to stop and sit on a park bench a while to talk to God and rest my feet and my weary soul. And anybody who gives me a hard time over the fact that I needed to stop and pause, I just need to drown them out. They're like a clanging cymbal and I don't need to hear them. Even if I prayed and prayed for the race to be over, my race to be over, maybe it's not my time to be finished with it. I highly doubt any of us want to run a race as thunderstorms rise up around us and hail plinks down on our heads and puddles gather along the pathway. It's not comfortable and it can even hurt. It can be dangerous along our pathway. Other runners can push us out of their way and shove us to the side, push us to the ground, be rude to us along the way, leave us in their dust and make us feel alone, rejected, inadequate. But you know what? That's part of the marathon for all of us. That's part of running this race. So when I'm praying for someone's stress on their path to be eliminated, the rain, the lightning, the hail to be lifted and removed, and God doesn't do it, I get frustrated. I don't know about you all, but I really do. All the while trying to remember that God may have a purpose or a reason for not removing their storms. 
for lifting their stress, whatever it is. Maybe they need to learn how to get through the storms in life and continue on the race. Maybe what they're going through now is just strengthening them and helping them and giving them insight that I wouldn't even know about because they're headed for something even bigger. I don't know. Maybe they need to learn something along the way that has nothing to do with me or with you or with anything but what God can see up ahead. And so he doesn't take away their stress. He doesn't alleviate their pain. He doesn't remove the storm. Then what? What am I left to pray for? How can I help, if at all? It's frustrating. When you see someone you love and care about who's hurting and you can't do anything about it. Or they're stressed or frustrated. Or you can see they're trying, kind of veering off the path. Or they want to quit and give up the race and the marathon. But nothing you pray for seems to help. See, we we can't see what's going on inside them. and We can't see what God is actually doing. So you don't know that your prayers aren't actually working. But if we don't see alleviation, then what do we pray for? And this is where we come back to the word of the day. Elevate. Elevate. I had to pray into that. What in the world does it mean? Does it mean I I need to elevate my thoughts, lift the person up more in prayer and elevate them, elevate myself, stand high up on a ladder or a rooftop and shout to the Lord? No, it means that instead of praying for their stress to be alleviated, I should pray for their eyes to be elevated, their thoughts to be elevated, their spirits to be elevated. In the middle of the storms on the race marked out for them, I should be praying for them not to be watching the storms, or the puddles, or the other runners, but the prize up ahead, and the person who is leading them on the journey. I should be praying for them to elevate their eyes and see Jesus, to look up, to look ahead, to look at where God is leading them on this journey. Not at all the things they think they should be doing or want to do instead, but elevate. I should be praying for their sense of hope, awe, wonder, and love to be higher, to be lifted up, to reach to the heavens. To be elevated. Hebrews 12, 1-3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, considering him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So when I pray for someone to elevate, I think of where it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. For the joy we have coming for the joy the Lord can fill our hearts with and the joy of the prize at the end of the race, we can endure things on this path that we don't want to. None of it will be anything compared to what Jesus endured, but it's still stuff. It's still that daily stuff that he's in the middle of that sometimes we can't feel him in the middle of and we don't think he is, but he is. It's still difficult for many of us. Some people in the world endure hardships we can't even fathom. As we sit here in our cushy cars, commuting to work, listening to podcasts, or we plug in our earbuds to go walk and we laugh to whatever it is we're streaming on our phone next. And still, those people have to run the race marked out for them. That's their path, their journey, their race. They have to endure more than we probably ever will and learn how to elevate their eyes, their sight, their hearts. 
But also remember that in our human condition, our child of God pathways we have that we walk on daily, that the simple daily things, the life-changing small moments, the little plunks of hail consistently beating down on us on a day-to-day basis are also things that we have to endure. And we should not be ashamed for feeling sometimes that we are enduring it, the stresses, the storms of life, the, the things that other people can't imagine they would have to endure or that other people might even consider a blessing. We sometimes feel like we're enduring them. And you know what? That's okay because God gets it. He gets where you are. He understands why the dirty dishes in the sink can seem overwhelming one day, why your health might seem overwhelming. He might understand why the small things or things that other people think are small get to you. And a lot of that is about perspective. But he knows that where I am will have challenges and where someone who lives in a different country on a different continent has different challenges and different hardships that I can't even fathom. They seem so much worse to me. But he understands where they are too. It's not a competition. We all have different lives and a different journey, but we're all on this race and our eyes should be fixed on Jesus. I don't discount the stress that you and I might have. A pebble in the way can be even more dangerous to our path than a huge boulder can. A boulder or a colossal event, a huge clap of thunder can be seen or heard. And sometimes it's easier to get out of the way of something big because we can see it and hear it. But the small things are the things that can take us down. That little tiny pebble on our path we didn't see ahead that causes our foot to turn just so where it twists our ankle and it, or sends us to the ground, those small things on our path can hurt us and threaten to stop us in our tracks. This is when we tend to shrink back and start looking down. Or we stay down. We either get up, we walk, we run again, but we keep our eyes down and we start looking down because we start to panic. We watch for every little thing that might cause us injury or harm. You know, I've, I've done that a lot. The last few years, I've had some pretty bad falls and now it's taking me a lot again to walk without constant looking, constantly looking down at the ground because I'm afraid I will trip or slip or fall over something, which is fine, but I can't always be looking down or I will run in front of into something, somebody in front of me or smack into a wall or, or something else. So This is what we tend to do with our faith as well. We get hurt or there's storms in life or we fall, we get injured. And so we look down at where our feet are going instead of looking up at where Jesus is leading us. You know, we might brush off others or steer clear of others on the path, ignore other racers. While we're out there, we get discouraged because God let us fall after all, right? It's God's fault. Sometimes we just stop and refuse to get back up in the race too. Like I said, because what's the point if we're just going to get hurt again and fall back down, right? That's kind of our human mindset. Those little things, those little pebbles that feel so big, they're not in comparison to what Jesus endured. They're really not. The bills piling up, the insult from a friend, the rejection from a spouse, the the medical issues we keep battling, the loneliness at a holiday, the loss of a loved one, the stress of work, the unanswered prayers. These things are like little pebbles on the path that hurt us, annoy us, trip us up, and try to keep us from finishing the race. 
They keep us down, especially when we feel our prayers for stress in our lives to be alleviated are going unanswered or ignored. When all the while, God is not ignoring us, but he wants us to elevate, elevate our thinking, our viewpoint, our prayer life, our hope, our eyes. The last part of Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. God doesn't want us to lose heart. He doesn't want us to grow weary. He endured so much and so much more opposition than we ever could on a daily basis. But how do we do that? How do we not grow weary? Colossians 3, 2 says, set To set our hearts and minds on things above, not on the things of this earth. I'm going to repeat it. Colossians 3, 2 says not to set our hearts and minds on, on things of this earth, but to set our hearts and minds on things above. We need to elevate our focus. Keep your eyes, your heart, your mind, your spirit, your hope, your faith on Jesus. Have you ever seen anyone walking and holding their cell phone? I'm sure you have. I was walking down a busy hallway the other day and people like this annoy me, I have to tell you. And I pause here to say that I say this hypocritically because I have done this myself. I have done it a few times actually. And I keep learning, but then I sort of forget and then I do it again because I get distracted. And so I have to check myself, but I was paying more attention, uh, a few times to clicking on the podcast icon on my phone as I was walking and going to take a walk instead of getting the podcast up and going before I set out to walk. Dumb, 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 dumb. (laughs) That is dumb for me. Dumb for you. Just telling you not a smart thing to do. I ran smack into someone one time and I mean hard because I was, I had my phone stuck uh, in my face. I did this and yet I hate it when others do it. So again, I have to check myself. I have to lift my eyes up and pay attention to what's out in front of me instead of having my eyes down. Well, the other day I saw a man do very much the same thing, only he was typing as he was walking, looking into his phone, not paying attention to where he was. I could see his thumbs just going a hundred miles an hour. He was at the opposite end of the hallway coming straight at me. And I could, I could see from my end what he was headed for, but he couldn't. I said kind of loudly, hey, watch out. But he had earbuds in and must have been listening to something because he didn't hear me. It wasn't 10 seconds later. He walked straight into a huge recycling can, tripped over it and fell. Some of the cans and bottles came out of the top of the recycling can, like the lid came off of it and some of that stuff came out. All the while, he managed to get back up, still looking at his cell phone the entire time. He was looking at his cell phone and moving his thumbs. That's either talent or I I don't know what freakiness. It was weird. He never even looked over up at me or over at me. He kept on walking. He didn't even stop to clean up the mess he made. He tripped and fell because he wasn't watching up ahead. And when he ended up in trouble, he left a mess in his wake and he didn't even stop to clean it up. He ignored it and kept on going all in his own little world. Hmm. Kind of has a few, um, overtones there to what I was just saying, right? I was shocked though. I shouldn't be. I know more than a handful of people like this and I'm sure you do too. They do as they please. They don't care to look up, look around, acknowledge that God should be leading them. And when they make a mess, they act like they had no part in it. They leave the mess behind for other people to clean up, not caring who gets hurt in the process. And they just keep on going. 
Does that sound familiar? Yeah, it does to me. Well, so when we turn our eyes downward, though, and we're not looking, our hearts tend to follow where we're looking. Our eyes tend to lead our heart and our mind and our thoughts, our hopes, our belief, the way we live. So when we lose focus on God, when we look down instead of looking at him and what he has for us, we forget that he's there. We're human. We have feeble brains, poor memories, and unfocused focus, right? We need the reminder that the Lord is there. He's not just the light at the end of the tunnel. He is the creator of the light. He's the creator of the tunnel, tunnel, the marker of the path that's set out before you and before me. But when we see storms and we get afraid or we trip and we fall and we, we tend to take our eyes off him and we're not focused on him and it becomes a bad habit. We forget. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What? Jesus is there. Oh, I forgot. Oh yeah. This is the way I'm supposed to go. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, my bad. That's what people say. My bad. We're just that way. This is why we need the daily reminders. We don't just need to pray for alleviation of stress and to get our own way. We need to elevate our thinking, our prayers, and step up our efforts to keep focused on what's important. We need to open our minds to being transformed from self-centered thinking into God thinking. So we can know what God says is important and that who we are in him is important as we run this race that he set out before us. I remember when my son was about six years old. And he wanted to play soccer. He loved anything having to do with sports. Soccer balls, baseballs, footballs, basketballs. He loved throwing a ball and hitting one, period. It didn't matter what it was. Of course, he did not like running bases or running up and down a basketball court. So smart little fart that he is, he learned very quickly at a very young age that if he was able to sink a basket from anywhere on the court, anywhere where he was standing, then he didn't really have to run hard. <laughs> and, and if he hit a baseball hard enough and far enough to call it a home run, he didn't really have to run very hard either. <laughs> so that's how smart he was. And he was, he's very good at any kind of ball. He's just not good at socializing in team sports. Um, but this is one of those cases where I'd say his skill and effort were totally motivated by laziness. Yes. <laughs> and he learned early on um, that he would wanted to kick a ball. He loved to, to kick and kick a ball any which way. Even now, he still loves dodgeball and kickball. Again, doesn't like the dodging, the running, and the actual effort that it takes to put into everything else, but he likes kicking the ball. So at six years old, we enrolled him in a peewee soccer league. He was so excited. His very first game was pretty hilarious, though. If you've ever watched little kids out on a ball field, it's quite entertaining. Uh, my stepdaughter played soccer also when she was five, but she didn't, she didn't really play. Let's just say that she was there, but she didn't really play. She stood out in the field. She listened to people yell. She did some cheers and some kicks, <laughs> um, not kicking the ball, just some cheers and some kicks. She picked the dandelions in the grass. And one time she decided to braid another girl's hair. And so as the coach is hollering at the kids for them to run down to the other end of the field, run down to the other end of the field. Uh, my stepdaughter, she was holding onto the girl's braid, running behind her, trying to finish braiding her hair as they ran. She has priorities. What can I say? So, um, well, and I will say this, she became a very good volleyball player. <laughs> okay. So anyway, back to my son, he loved the fun of the kick 
And so when he got out on that soccer field at this first game, he was so excited. He actually was one of the first to kick the ball and he ran right behind it and no one else was near. He was fast as can be with those little legs. He was able to keep kicking it. He actually ran. We were just shocked. It was like dangling a carrot in front of a horse's face, I think, because he kept going and going. The freedom of being able to kick that ball just kept him going. And so he'd kick it and he'd run after it and he'd kick it and he'd run after it. But he was highly focused on that ball, not on where he was going. He didn't pay attention to the path up ahead or any of the, the calls from the coach or people hollering at him to pay attention. Because before you knew it, he was all the way at the far end of the field, kicking the soccer ball all the way into the next field, into the middle of another peewee soccer team game. It was very funny. He didn't look up. He didn't elevate his eyes to see that even though he was having fun on his journey, he was headed in the wrong direction. (laughs) So we can get that way too, right? We can get so focused on what we want and what we want to do that we ignore what God is calling us to do and where he's calling us to be because we keep our eyes down and focused on what we want. And when I think of the lessons I learned from watching my son play his first and only soccer game, I might add, I also have to tell you that shortly after that very long drive down the field that he, where he kicked that ball into the other field, another boy kicked the soccer ball really hard, very close to my son. And it hit him square in the crotch. He doubled over, he fell to the ground and that was it. He was done. Boom. No more soccer for him. So I can't say that I blame him. Okay, back to what I said earlier, um, a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. He said, you don't need to see the whole staircase, just the first step. We can only take one step at a time in this race, and that is true. If we sit and worry what each next step is, then we're focusing on things way too far out in front of us. But if we just look up and focus on what God has in front of us, for us, we will keep running the race. We just need to stay focused on Jesus and we can take that one step at a time. God calls us to take one step at a time when he calls us to on this journey and to have faith that he will provide the strength and energy to take the next step, the next curve, the next set of stairs, one step at a time. We need to keep focused on him and elevate our eyes, elevate our hearts, our hopes, our prayers, and our faith. And he will let us know When he needs us to turn, go left or right or this way or that way. If we look down out of fear, out of weariness, or try to plan our own way without keeping our eyes focused on him, we will undoubtedly trip and fall again and again and again. So I want to encourage you to work hard, first of all, to help elevate your own thinking, elevate your faith, elevate your prayers, elevate your eyes and stay focused on Jesus. And then the next time that you're praying for someone else, whatever it is you're praying for them, also pray that whatever it is that they're going through, whatever their need is, whatever their issue is, that you also pray for them to elevate, not just to be alleviated, but to elevate. Thank you so much for listening to the Woman Inspired Podcast. I hope that you will like it, share it, with others and um, just let other people know about it. I appreciate all the support. I appreciate the comments you all give me over the different formats. It's such a blessing to me and for the people who email me. I really appreciate that. 
Um, you can find me out on Instagram at one woman inspired. That's the number one followed by woman inspired. I also have a website, womaninspired.com, and you can hop out there and find out more about me, about my speaking engagements. Um, if you want to inquire about me coming to speak to your group, that would be awesome. I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much and have a very blessed day.